Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, lovely listeners, and welcome to the Dreaded Lurgy. And for the first time ever, I have lost count of the episode number. And that is a delight I share with... Kylie von Sell. Uh, my name is Lara von Lelyfeld, and I was so discombobulated by the enthusiasm that losing count was a possibility that I completely changed the intro. So things I are happening. Yeah, things certainly are happening. Um, for example, I have a confession to make. I feel sorry for mosquitoes. How on earth do you feel sorry for mosquitoes? They are the vector of all vectors. They are. I, mean, I like fruit bats, so that wasn't ever going to be a barrier. No, I just feel I just feel bad for the poor little buggers because I just realized yesterday while I was doing the last of my research that I don't know what mosquitoes eat. So I googled it because I was just sort of like, blood is the relevant food stuff here. But like, what else do they eat? They don't live solely on blood. For example, the males don't drink blood at all. They live on nectar. And no. they only drink blood when they need to lay eggs. I feel so bad. I've been hating something which lives on nectar. I mean, they clearly are the dead. But shame. I feel slightly bad now. Aww. I don't know why. I don't know why this has changed my feelings towards mosquitoes, but it has. Oh, I feel. I kind of feel a little bit gentler towards them, I guess. But it's not going to change my feelings, the fact that they're feasting upon my blood. Sans my permission. So I will they're continue only... to swat mercilessly. Oh no, swat mercilessly. I mean, don't stop swatting mercilessly. I'm, I'm not saying let's, be, let's um, usher them out of the house. I'm not saying let's go that far, because that is really farcical. Spare a moment before you murder them out of hand. Think a happy thought. They are thought. trying to reproduce. Sorry, mosquito. You are a Ecological wonder, bash. You know, that seems to work perfectly well. Kylie's killing spree could very easily happen in the Zika forest. So our disease this week is Zika virus, which I'm sure you've heard of because if you're a listener, you were definitely alive in 2015, 2016 when the big outbreaks happened. But I have exciting news for you, Kylie. Are you ready? As ever. The Zika virus gets its name from the Zika forest, which is a small patch of forest near Lake Victoria in Uganda. Did you know that this tiny little patch of forest was established as a yellow fever outpost in 1936 by the Rockefeller Foundation. It has since evolved into the Uganda Virus Research Institute, gained that name in 1977, but its most notable and exciting installation is a giant metal scaffold or tower in the forest that was built with funding from WHO, or WHO, I suppose I should say instead. Uh. Because mosquitoes, another fun fact about them, they feed, they live, they exist at different altitudes. And so they use the tower to test at this altitude, where would we find a mosquito? What kind of mosquito? What kind of diseases does this mosquito carry? How far has it traveled? What has it just eaten? Exactly. In April 1947, a rhesus monkey, now I always feel a little bit queasy about testing on animals, but this little rhesus monkey placed on the tower and it developed a fever. A blood test showed a new virus and as is the way of things, it was named after the place in which it was found. Hence, the Zika virus, 1947. That's a very, like, a fairly recent discovery, 70, 72 years ago. The first human case was only in 1952, and they only found that because the person was part of a study looking, they were looking for something Zika-related, and they found it. So it wasn't even someone who presented at hospital, but they were already part of the study. It is the most chilled of all of the tropical diseases, or at least it was until 2007, when there was a massive outbreak on the Pacific island of Yap. And I got the exact statistics. 73% of the island's 11,250 inhabitants contracted Zika virus during the three years of the outbreak. That's quite a, that is quite a high rate of infection. But I couldn't find any mention of deaths because 
lo and behold, I mean, I, we've done it before, we're doing it again, we're studying a disease that has relatively minor symptoms, and it seems yeah. no mortality. I couldn't find any stats on mortality either. I mean, I guess you might die if you're very, very, very unlucky and you happen to develop a secondary complication, but as far as I know, Zika doesn't kill, Zika itself doesn't really kill people. It doesn't. The symptoms itself, it's like a very mild dengue fever. The symptoms are very ordinary. Fever, joint pain, headache, which, I mean, as you know, most things have those Everything. symptoms. And red eyes, and that's it. You, you're sick for about seven days, and then you're better. And that that is the sum total of the actual disease. I heard that some people get a rash, but that's not even very common. Some people get the rash first. Some people don't get the rash. Some people, I mean... The rash would make sense because uh, it's, this is viruses related to yellow fever and West Nile fever and Japanese encephalitis, as well as, Lara, dengue fever. It's the same family of viruses. And dengue fever, if I recall, does give you a rash. Our old friend dengue. A lot of people who have Zika apparently think, you know, if they have symptoms, they assume it's dengue. And then they're sort of like, oh, well, because the treatment's the same. Paracetamol, bed rest. Good luck. You'll feel It'll better go away. soon. If you're going to yeah. get a mosquito-borne disease, I was going to say rather this one, but as we'll see, maybe not. As the numbers grew, things became a little bit... Uh, what was a very mild disease, sans complications, seems to, with the larger pool change into something quite different so a question to ask is then how on earth do we avoid this now we avoid it by get, avoiding getting bitten so the standard repellents screens air conditioners so you can keep windows and doors closed but and i'm gonna to quote a favorite show of ours i'm gonna put a pin in that because we're going to revisit that issue. Other things you can do is just kill the blighters. Nectar eating or not. Slay them, slay them, slay them. I feel so bad. I feel so bad now. Lowering the population with the uh, liberal use of insecticides. Removing or managing or doing something damaging to the breeding habits of these little beasts. Nectar eating or not. I, I remain unswayed. They live on flowers. I'm still going to put bleach in my uh, tires that are collecting water. My loose lying about tires. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to say no to stagnant water. But they live on nectar. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad now. I've been killing them by the score all my life. <laughs> so that's how you don't get Zika. Now, what if you do get Zika? Okay, great question. First of all, seven days and you're fine. But because of what Kylie is about to tell us, you do need to practice safe sex for between six to eight weeks, specifically using barrier contraception, because this disease is sexually transmitted or can be sexually transmitted. Because if you get bitten by, if you have Zika and you get bitten by a mosquito, it can only spread the disease from you to the next person for the first week that you are sick. After a while, you stop. it stops being able to get the virus from you and take it to somebody else. However, it does tend to build up in one's body and specifically in semen, which is unfortunate. If you are a man, you can give your partner Zika via sex for eight weeks. And if you're a woman, um, I think it's less than that. I think it's four. But you still have to be very, very careful either way because the thing, the major complication of Zika does not infect the person who gets infected. It affects any children they might have. If you get pregnant or are pregnant during a Zika outbreak, there is quite a lot of evidence that it can be teratogenic, which is to say it can cause malformations of the fetus and consequently the baby, which is obviously a major issue because that can cause sort of lifelong changes 
in your life as well as mm. cause sort of major, major obstacles for your baby. Microcephaly is the one most people are familiar with, but it can also cause various brain deformations as well as eye malformations, none of which are good. But it is quite rare. So microcephaly is generally quite uncommon. It's two per every 10,000 live births usually. And broadly, what microcephaly is, is defined as a small head size. So in usual unhelpful medical parlance, if the head is more than two standard deviations below normal. If you've had a baby or you know a baby, you'll notice that their heads get measured at most uh, postnatal appointments. They put a measuring tape from the forehead to the occiput at the back, which is a little ridge, and they also can measure using ultrasound. The reason that they do this is because baby skulls are not fused at birth because the brain is still growing. And the rate of growth is highest at birth and in the first few months, and then it plateaus off. But if the bones fuse early, the brain becomes smaller than usual. However, if the brain is already smaller than usual due to reduced cortical size or whatever, it's not exerting as much outward force on the skull bones and the head doesn't grow. So there could, you know, there's two potential ways that this can happen. Microcephaly is not always immediately obvious at birth. Babies come in different sizes. This is why mothers, you get some mothers who get extremely wound up and like, oh my god, Tristan's not crawling. You should have been crawling a week ago. Babies are all different, but you have to measure them against something and then we have all these averages. I think in the US they use the CDC's charts, most of the world uses the WHO's charts. Microcephaly has a number of causes. I just want to repeat it is rare. Mostly it's caused by infections, usually of the mother, uh, the mother's exposure to toxic chemicals, uh, genetic abnormalities, and in some cases, severe malnutrition while in the womb. So if your mother's not eating, you're not getting the nutrients, you might end up uh, with microcephaly. So it's a slightly higher incidence in socioeconomically disadvantaged populations because they tend to be the ones with more malnutrition, uh, higher rates of infection, and higher exposure to toxic chemicals. Genetic abnormalities, it's lottery, anybody can get it. So diseases that are known to cause microcephaly include toxoplasmosis, which you can get from cat poo, which is why every cat litter bag in creation says, do not handle cat litter if you are pregnant. Also rubella, aka German measles, herpes, huh. syphilis, HIV, no surprises there, cytomegalovirus, which we will come to in a different episode, which is a corker that nobody's ever heard of, as well as heavy metals like arsenic, mercury, alcohol, smoking, and exposure to radiation. Right, so microcephaly doesn't always lead to reduced functional outcome. But depending on causing it, it can cause seizures, cerebral palsy, developmental delays, etc., etc. So you might, your child might really function fairly well, might need lifelong assistance with everything. It's it, the uncertainty, I think, is what causes people a lot of pain. There's no knowing what your actual consequences are going to be, and there's no treatment. The thing with Zika is that there is fairly conclusive evidence that it does cause unusually high rates of microcephaly, and this is an issue because in the 2015 to 2016 South American outbreak, especially Brazil, reported a spike in the cases of microcephaly. It broke out in 2015-2016. Why it suddenly got so bad? The theory is that it was El Nino, uh, which caused unusually high temperatures and then rainfall. So mosquito bonanza. Because yes. you know, mosquitoes love, no love nothing more than a hot, wet climate. It is um, mosquito spring break. It really was mosquito spring break. They were like, this is amazing. Here we are in northeastern Brazil. It is wet. It is hot. It is an American summer. It all just went completely fucking bonkers. And there were more mosquitoes. And Zika spreads fairly readily at the best of times. Um, there were 1.5 million cases in Brazil between October 2015 and January 2016. And 3,500 cases of microcephaly were reported. It can also cause Guillain-Barre uh, syndrome among adults, which is a neurological disorder which can cause paralysis. It's usually temporary, but it sucks all the same. You can end up on a ventilator and you don't want... So although you're not going to be very sick and you'll 99% of you be fine, you might end up paralyzed or with a baby with a very small head. So you're not going to be all that sick, but it's going to be a shit show afterwards potentially. And why did everybody go bananas? What else happened in 2016? 
the Olympics. Remember the days when like a non-fatal disease is why they can why they wanted to cancel the Olympics. Remember? <laughs> I remember oh. them fondly. Twenty sixteen was the last Olympics. It was gonna be 20, 2016 Rio, twenty twenty Tokyo. Yes. So that's two two potential pandemic cancellations. As it happened, nobody connected with the Olympics actually got Zika. They checked. Seven people total caught Zika during the Olympics because Brazil went all out with like South America swung into action. Nobody wanted the Olympics disrupted. Nobody ever wants the Olympics disrupted. It has caused major financial losses in, in Japan. And Japan is slightly more stable economically than Brazil. So imagine if Brazil, if the Rio Olympics had been cancelled. They were putting, they were spraying with insecticides. They were putting out traps. It, it works. They introduced the Wolbachia mosquito, which is the one infected with a little parasite that means it starves to death. It started to impact tourism. Several countries, including the USA, issued travel warnings, and Colombia, Ecuador, El Salvador, and Jamaica suggested that their populations delay getting pregnant if they'd been anywhere near Zika. Now, January 2016, the USA issued a travel warning for basically most of Central America and the Caribbean because of the increasing evidence that Zika was causing microcephaly. And then early in February, the CDC declared a level one activation, which not an unfamiliar concept these days. And the USA introduced a bill, Laura, an entire bill to deal with a disease that wasn't killing anybody in their country. Good heavens. And then the WHO declared an international crisis on February the 1st, 2016. And to be fair, this is not just the rich world going, ah! my god you're full of mosquitoes ah panic most of central and south america was equally concerned bolsonaro wasn't in power at that point as far as i recall (laughs) (laughs) at least still had leadership that was concerned about the population getting sick (laughs) and the thing is right so they were suggesting that people delay pregnancy like please 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 we're dealing with the outbreak but please until until we give the all clear please don't get pregnant tricky because you your average south american country has a fairly high rate of unplanned pregnancy so in most of the world 40 percent is your rate of unplanned pregnancy which i thought is quite high but yes. you know it's, it's an average you never know and in south america it's actually over half it's close to 60 percent um and your contraceptive access is limited and abortion tends to be either illegal or legal only under very limited circumstances this is so, not a great recipe no it's a terrible recipe social media was also freaking out because of the microcephaly risk people were worrying when they did People were being told to worry when they did need to worry, and they were being told not to worry when, you know, it's just, it was a mess, and people are still freaking out now. Oh my god, I went to Guyana. I'm a month pregnant now. I was in Guyana six months ago. I didn't need to be worried. No, man, just read the flippin' CDC's website. Calm down. It's a very easy to use um, website as well. Yeah, the CDC is great. You know what's not great? All the ones that tell you you can treat Zika virus with bleach in your body, you can treat Zika virus with bleach in your water supply. I found at least three going, it's okay, just goggle with bleach. And I thought, no, this is COVID, surely. But no, it turns out that particular gem has been disseminated long, long before now. Good God. Heavens okay. almighty, that genuinely blows my mind. Oh, no, my mind, yeah. It just, do you find that your mind just gets blown and then just stays that way for like days these days? Now, Kylie, you and I have both read the same studies or a group of studies on, and this is one of my favorite quotes. This is from an article in New York Times, which is linked below. The epidemic mirrors the social inequality of Brazilian society and indeed of all of the societies in which this epidemic took place because it disproportionately affects young, poor, black and brown women. Now, I want you to take a guess as to why that would be the case, aside from there is no justice in the world. I would feel that there is no justice in the world would be sufficient. I mean, it's how I explain most things, but... Is it because uh, young black and brown women are really at the bottom of the socioeconomic pyramid um, in the world, let alone just Brazil? Like, for example, they tend to, if, if you are young, you're in your childbearing years. If you are black or brown, you are probably, even in South America, at some sort of social disadvantage, I would imagine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, women are always getting the thin end of the wedge. So if we break this down, we can look at women. So because microcephaly would impact the child that they are carrying and that they are primarily the primary caregivers, yeah, they then have the burden of dealing with the additional care that a child with microcephaly would require. Yes. Because they're a woman, they're usually in charge of kind of household stuff. And one of the things that falls under household stuff is managing the disease vector that is mosquitoes. So emptying out standing water, putting bleach in standing water, if like emptying it isn't a good idea or possible, killing mosquitoes. Yeah. Poorer people tend to live in houses that do not have screens and so... Yeah, or air conditioning. Or air conditioning. So the mosquitoes will get into their house unless they... If they keep their windows and doors closed, they will swelter. They need to open the window. And so the mosquito has free access to bite at will. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. Actually, the, um, the amount of privilege involved in getting an air conditioner is something that nobody talks about. But it's the thing. They're expensive to run. They're expensive to buy. You have to have a dwelling to which you can fit one. You're presupposing a sturdy enough wall and window setup, and you have to own the building because you have to or get permission from your landlord to like modify it. So let's talk about air conditioners as actually a majorly elite appliance. They are in ways that prior to doing this research, I did not fully appreciate. I know one family that has a has a air conditioner in their house, and they are the most bougie people I know. Everybody else I know just makes do with fans and leaving the window open and burning citronella to get rid of the mosquitoes. So yet again, we're faced with the disease that whose social impact is so much greater on those that have less. And as I mentioned earlier, the other problem is contraception because South America is heavily, heavily, heavily Catholic. And what's not Catholic is um, either evangelical or Pentecostal, which is worse. None of these religious groups is in favor of contraception or abortion. And all of them tend to be really heavy on the submit to your husband vibes. So telling telling poor women to avoid getting pregnant doesn't work because it's not entirely up to them. True Um, story. And the UN suggested that Latin American governments sort of relax rules about abortion and make contraception more readily available, in which case the Vatican freaked out. So firstly, your contraception advice is a little bit dicey because it's quite difficult to enact it. Uh, Secondly, here's the thing. As you mentioned, women are responsible for the household stuff, like controlling the vectors. And a study done in the Dominican Republic tested gender who understood what as their responsibility and what turned out was that household cleaning was considered the responsibility of women by both men and women and this included cleaning water containers with bleach Mm. um, which as we know kills the larvae and the study did note that men would help if their partners were pregnant but if their partners were not heavily pregnant men were just like oh well not my problem babe and men saw themselves as protector of the family which really came to the fore only if their partner was pregnant and less so if she wasn't in the study this seemed mostly to amount to having all the good intentions about going to the antenatal appointments and maybe if she asked him nicely moving all the defunct tires from around the house um they would only handle sort of keeping the water mosquito free late in the pregnancy so that their partner didn't exert themselves and condoms as always were a disaster because it doesn't matter what you do anywhere in the world and i'm generalizing but come at me bro people associate using them with a lack of trust so you say to your, if especially if you're in a sort of like a inegalitarian society and you say to your boyfriend or your husband, can we use a condom? He's like, why are you cheating on me? And so that conversation is always, always, always difficult to have, even in the context of going, no, but I don't want our baby to have a tiny head. 
you know, so that, that didn't really, that didn't really work. It's always a bit of a disaster. And then, and then, so your public, there was a bit of a complaint in Brazil in particular. I don't know about other Caribbean or South American or Central American countries. There was a complaint in Brazil that the public information packs were hard to understand. And this is actually something that we've come across in COVID at first. Health information is tricky to convey. You have to get it right. You have to make it not alarming. And you have to give people very clear actions and outcomes. Else people freak out and don't understand. And you get people like I see in the shops every day wearing gloves and happily transferring germs from one service to another using the gloves, but not wearing masks anywhere. So somebody at an American university ran the Brazilian health information through a flesh Kincaid grade scale, which as a teacher, you may have come across. Ah, yes, that old friend. Yes, the readability scale. So basically what you want to do with public information is keep it around a ninth grade level or adjust for the literacy levels in your population. And if we're dealing with poor women in rural areas, your literacy rates are usually lower than average because nobody sends girls to school. Yeah. Right. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, to mention a book that most people have read, scores at about seventh grade level. Good, because that's the age it's written for. So there we go. We have a like audience that's intended versus audience that is addressed. Bam. Fine. I thought this only worked in English, but apparently when somebody ran the Brazilian health information through the Brazilian version, well, the Portuguese version, I would imagine, it came back at college graduate level. So 17.1, which is a very, very high score. We would have trouble understanding that. We are both postgraduate. Like, we have multiple degrees, both of us. We would only just understand that. If it was in Portuguese, I would understand nothing. So, you know, TLDR, information's hard to convey at the best of times, and it's even worse if you bungle it and write it in basic, very dense, inaccessible language. So that didn't help matters at all. And also, let's be real, even if you are, a, even if you are for some reason, by some miracle, a college graduate reading this, you also need to be sort of paying attention because you're in the middle of an epidemic and it's frightening and you have small children and your baby might you know be born with a major disability and you're maybe not taking it in as you would if you were reading it calmly on your commute in the newspaper so that's another reason they keep it simple because people when they're worried need clear direct communications a panicked brain can't so what take we, things in precisely we both know that from personal experience yes um I've have you ever tried to like i've reread uh covid material multiple times uh, first time, took in very little. Second time, realized how much I missed. Third time, realized I don't even know why I bothered the first two times, because nothing <laughs> Have you ever tried to use a fire extinguisher when there's actually a fire? Um, Blind panic. Just blind, I'm blind just like, panic. Which way do I need to point it? Which way? Okay, look, I'm clumsy, <laughs> so maybe not this example, but like there's an actual... You're like, oh, okay, face it that way, pull this pin, keep it back to the exit, spray at the base of the fire... Okay, no, I can handle that. It's only four things to remember. Wait until something is burning, and then you will just you don't know which you know which direction your back is. You forget where the door was. <laughs> you push things that are marked pull. It's chaos. <laughs> so if you can't keep a very very cool head, uh, complex information is actually harmful. Not even it's like, even simple information becomes tricky. Right. So what we ended up with was a disease that's easily spread, requires very strong social and governmental cooperation, affects women and babies disproportionately and has lifelong implications both because again i'm being sexist and i'm gonna get email me if you have a problem i will happily discuss it with you fathers tend to vanish a lot more easily than mothers do i'm not saying women don't ditch their babies i'm not saying all men are hopeless fathers but unfortunately evidence is men leave women don't it's a thing sorry if you're offended but well we have statistics we can discuss this so and it affects 
uh, Zika virus affects um, hot areas, which, hey-ho, co- coincide with the developing world. So double down on issues like access to good healthcare, infrastructure, socioeconomic inequality, household income, and, drumroll please, climate change. Bang! The big one. Climate change. Climate change is the granddaddy of problems here. And um, also, low social status, you have dodgy drainage, bad water supply, funny sanitation, right? So you've got a high mosquito population. And then this tends to dump responsibility on the individual as well. Government's like, fine, we'll spray, but you need to use barrier contraception and we can't be held responsible. So we have a perfect shitstorm of fleas with smaller fleas and other fleas. And it's just turtles all the, w- all the way down. And then you get the developed world going, don't you bring your mosquitoes here, you nasty, nasty subtropical developing country full of brown people. Ew, no, stay over there. That's not helpful either because then you get, you know, America being really fairly fairly difficult about the zika virus thing and it's just thank god the infection rates just seem to drop off naturally because if this was still ongoing can you imagine we have not handled covid very graciously can you imagine if we had zika at the same time disaster true utter disaster disaster. i mean really no wonder people start thinking weird things ah kylie that means that you have a thought on your mind weird things such as tell me more well, I was thinking more of the 5G causes coronavirus thing, which, as we all know, 5G does not cause coronavirus. It makes you gay. Keep up. If you're going to be <laughs> believing conspiracy theories, at least keep a fucking notebook. Break out the tinfoil hats. Okay. No, but really, break out the tin the tinfoil hats. Because although this is not a conspiracy theory so much, it's just an alternative theory, which is not the same thing at all. And this is actually science-based, and people are doing studies. There is a thought that it's not the Zika alone that caused the high number of microcephaly cases in Brazil. Ah, do I... Okay. Is it the P word? Are we talking the P word here? Pesticides? We might be. See, you're one step ahead of me, as always. So what happened is... Firstly, before I even go into this, nobody is saying that Zika doesn't cause microcephaly. It does. Nobody at any point went... It's all a hoax. It's not the Zika. It's the pesticides. They go, it's the Zika... And the pesticides, because what's happened is that during the Zika outbreak, Brazil reported something like a 20-fold increase in the incidence of microcephaly and the spike in rates of eye formations, eye malformations, etc., etc. This causality has been conclusively proved, but the rates were high. They will not be like, okay, why are we getting microcephaly at all? They were like, why are we getting this much microcephaly? Because we understood that Zika causes microcephaly, but it doesn't usually cause it in such high numbers. Because if microcephaly is the only is only linked to Zika, there should be even distributions across all affected areas. So Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, it's El Salvador should all be seeing equal rates of microcephaly percentage wise. But actually they're not even occurring they're not occurring evenly across the region. Brazil's experiencing a lot more and they're not even occurring evenly in Brazil, being a lot more common in northeast Brazil, which is the poorer part of Brazil. And the culprit is thought to be a insecticide called Priproxifen, which is a bugger to spell. Periproxifen? Priproxifen, right. I, d- I didn't find a trade name for it, but it's made by Sumitomo, which is a Japanese chemical company. And it was used in- to fight a 2014 dengue fever epidemic in the last few months, 2014, and then into early 2015. And the first case of microcephaly cropped up in October 2015. And the major issue with periproxifen is that it cross-reacts with vitamin A, retinol, the regulatory system for vitamin A in mammals. And we know that interfering with that does cause microcephaly. And in northeast Brazil in particular, periproxifen is used to treat home water storage containers. Globally, it also used it as an agricultural pesticide and it's in pet collars and all that kind of thing. But in drinking water, it's not very widely used to treat drinking 
drinking water and it wasn't very widely used outside northeast Brazil to treat drinking water. So there was a spike in that area. In Colombia, there were 90,000 infections and 57 cases of microcephaly. In Brazil, there were 200,000 cases and 2,000 cases of microcephaly with clustering in the northeast region, which suggests that there's something else at play because it's not like you're getting a particularly deadly strain of Zika there. It's the same Zika everyone's getting. Why are they getting more microcephaly? But difficult to prove this conclusively because case reporting is tricky and information is frankly all over the show because Zika can be asymptomatic. People go to hospitals that are not in their areas. They don't even know they're sick. There's some dispute as to whether they use periproxifen or not. Nobody can remember. And until there's a spike, nobody's checking anyway. So studies are a little bit inconclusive. But there's something to consider. Is it just Zika or is it Zika plus pesticide exposure or is it just pesticide exposure? Something that we need to dig into and perhaps think about because we, we do know that pesticides can cause birth defects. So there's your doggy bag, everyone. Take that away and think about it. Yeah, I I mean, pesticides as causes of human problems uh, while simultaneously supposedly giving solutions this is no new concept but i didn't realize that it played a role in zika as well silent spring everyone go away and read rachel carson oh what a classic what a classic uh, read it maybe not during a pandemic though or read it when you're no, not now. robust oh no read it now because it's about sort of like um no don't read it now don't read it now don't do it. <laughs> there may never be a good time though i don't know maybe you should just go for it uh Lovely listeners, something else you can just go for, should you want to shout at Kylie for anything she said in this episode, uh, for which I believe the quote is, come at me, bro, um, you can email us at thedreadedlogipod at gmail.com, or you can shout at us on Twitter, which I think is the traditional way to fight. <laughs> Kylie, where can they find yes. us on Twitter and on Instagram? at dreaded Lurgy, and on instagram it's at uh dreaded Lurgy pod and if you want to send me a long and involved but slightly incoherent comment about how god saved you from zika please please go ahead um i reserve the right not to engage i might send laura to deal with you because laura is infinitely more diplomatic <laughs> that um oh okay i'm sort of sort of shall we say sort of oh you're not less diplomatic true Thank you, lovely listeners, for listening, all uh, 19 of you. We love you. You're the best. And we will you see are. You, we will see you next week with another episode, with another disease or disorder, and that will hopefully blow your mind. Goodbye and good luck. Wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs>